Barney's doesn't guarantee success. Vogue doesn't guarantee success. What guarantees success is if you actually find an audience that actually loves your product. We've been very slow to change in terms of how technology has impacted our lives. A new social network can pop up overnight and completely change our business model. Thanks for tuning in to the Glossy Podcast. Every week we talk fashion, luxury, and technology with the people making things happen in the industry. I'm your host, Jill Manoff, and on today's episode, I sit down with Ben O'Meara, the head of marketing at Huckberry. Sure, it's a men's retailer, but Huckberry isn't just trying to sell you stuff. They want to tell you stories too, including one about a t-shirt you can wear for 72 hours without smelling all that bad by the end of it. Ben tells me about how, in his thinking, everything counts as content, including ads for the company's brick-and-mortar store and the emails it sends out three days a week to subscribers. That's up next. Hey, Ben. Hi, Jill. Hi, welcome. Good morning. Good, Good to morning. be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to dig into your content strategy. We are just getting past our glossy forum. Everybody was talking about the importance of content, building up the content team. I feel like it's something you've mastered. In some ways, I appreciate that, and, and we feel like we have in others. I think content's one of those words that is it's so loaded these days, in a good way, but there's so many different ways to cut it up, to do it, to define it. And, you know, for us, if you go back to the origins of Huckberry, content's just been a part of our DNA. So when we talk about what's our content strategy— we are always tinkering and developing new operating strategies for channels and and sort of overarching rules that, that sort of guide us along the way. But our content strategy has been the Huckberry strategy, if you really go back to sort of the original idea. And um, kind of going back to that point, Andy and Rich, the two co-founders, quit their jobs. They were both working in finance, New York, San Francisco. They were guys who lived in the city, nine to five, working in finance. They were actually working eight to midnight most often, but on the weekends, um, that made their adventures that much sweeter. And so they were guys that lived in the city, but loved outdoors and loved travel. Yep. They were not interested in like high fashion. They were not looking to climb Everest per se, um, but they definitely cared about the things that they bought, the things that they wore, the gear that they needed. Um, but they felt like there wasn't a retailer that was speaking to them both in the product assortment as well as talking about content, the actual storytelling of why you should care about this product, why yeah. you should care about this brand. I love that you called out content is such a loaded word. Like we don't even say it on Glossy anymore. We try to avoid it because it's like, what does that mean? There's yeah. so much that goes into it. Totally. Gosh, for you, it, it reads as kind of print, mm -hmm. Email is huge. We'll definitely dig into that. Yep. Um, talk to me about all the different elements. I mean, happening right now in your yeah. world. It's, so we see, not to like overgeneralize it again, but content is everything. Yeah. Content is any point of information between you and the customer. And so we view every single touch point as content. So we view our product pages as content. We view our taglines as content. Your store is our definitely store content. Our store is content. We are our customer experience incredible team like they are content um, they are having conversations with customers sharing information equipping them with the appropriate info to make a purchase so you know we see content everywhere we, we kind of look at it as 
you basically every touch point with a customer, it's, it really comes down. It's either a positive or a negative. Yeah. And so, you know, obviously on the flip side, like the content channels, um, the things that we are invested in, known for, emails number one. Like Huckberry was built on our email, and still to this day is our most important channel. Yes. Um, and really where everything stems from. Um, we have since gotten into catalog in the last four years and, you know, taken our unique approach to catalog, part yeah. product catalog, but part inspiration magazine. Um, you know, obviously social media, Instagram is huge for us. Great. Um, we're starting to play with video. Um, we do it every year in different capacities. That's something that we think we're just scratching the surface on. We have not figured out. I don't know who has completely figured it out because it's changing so quickly, but that's that's the beauty as well as the loaded aspect of content like yeah. you have to be agile and you know we kind of look at content we, we look at a lot of the decisions that we make rich our co-founder has this great saying that again we consistently use and it remains true particularly with content and how quickly things are changing you always throw out your first pancake so like, yeah be thoughtful be strategic but then try it yeah iterate if it doesn't work after a couple of times move on and try something different i and like so, it for us email and catalog have been sort of the two big ones yes um, and now store Okay, great. Do you think that, gosh, when Huckberry started, just to kind of bring everyone into the context of your world, was it kind of like, like you said, it was marrying the worlds of like, mm, like the workwear, maybe J. Crew with like the REI and the adventure. Like there wasn't that, that was the white space you were filling, this kind of connection between the two? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It was a connection in terms of what those brands represent and yep. sort of the nine to five every day, the sort of go to. Like yeah. you don't have to think, you know, if you need a pair of chinos, you need a t shirt, you can go to J. Crew. Yeah. You're going on a trip, you go to REI. So sort of the what those represented. But then I think what wasn't being represented at the time and where we found our unique place and still to this day what we are known for is cool emerging brands. If yeah. you look back 2010, 2011, this was sort of the the beginning of that sort of continued rise that we're seeing now in e-commerce. And this was right before like Shopify exploded and it became so much easier to create brands. Yeah. Um, but there were still a lot of really great brands coming out, but there wasn't a platform curating them all. They were a lot more localized. Like if yeah. you lived in Denver, you knew about this brand. These if you are all lived, like mostly direct to consumer brands? A lot of direct to consumer. Yeah. yeah. A lot of smaller brands. And um, the big box couldn't invest in these smaller brands because they don't have enough inventory, oh, the true. minimums. And yeah. so we found this unique place where there are brands that had awesome product and great story, but they don't have the resources to tell their story in a, in a sort of a greater network. And yes. so we saw ourselves as, again, going back to content, we're a platform, we're storytellers. So yeah. let's bring you on to this site. Let's tell your story. And that's also our original content strategy and telling these brand stories, that was our growth strategy. Like we didn't have any money. Andy and Rich bootstrapped this business. So awesome. Um, and so for us, our marketing was word of mouth. And mm -hmm. so when we partnered with a, a great new brand and told their story and the brand comes to us, and it's like, wow, like you guys are telling your story better than we are. Cool. They then are motivated to share like, hey, we're on Huckberry. And so that is really what kept us going and still to this day is a really important part of our sort of marketing is that word of mouth. Yes. So typically, are you the first wholesale partner for these brands? And kind of after they work with you and you're getting bigger and you're telling their story, are you finding that, you know, you're seeing some competition because they're getting larger, other brands are, or other retailers are picking them up? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a really good question. And, and the short answer is yes. Like mm -hmm. a lot of these brands, we 
were their first retailer. Even, you know, you jump ahead to, I don't know, four or five years later at the height of like really the, the DTC movement and you yeah. see all these big brands coming out. We were often the first strategic retailer. So a lot of these giant DTC brands out there that, that we all know yeah. now, we were their first retailer. Cool. Um, so I think on the flip side to your point, that does create challenges because you tell such a good story and, and it is such a great brand and product that other people are like, wow. How did I not know about this? Yeah. And so, what are some of those brands that we know now? Uh, we worked with Harry's very oh, early on. Awesome. Um, yeah. We worked with Away. We were okay. one of their first retail partners when I they mean. launched. Um, Tough to Needle Mattress Company. Yep. We worked with them. We still work with them. Um, we still work with Harry's. So, yeah. What percentage of your business is not apparel, fashion? It's more home. That's a good question. Early on, it was everything. Yeah. Right. We it was sort of <laughs> whatever we could get that made so. sense. Yeah. Um, and obviously, as we've grown, and progressed, and gotten to know our customer, most importantly, much better. Um, a majority of our business is apparel and footwear. That yes. makes sense. That's what we're using the most. It's the most utilitarian, the most yeah. diversity and sort of uh, interest and, and sort of use case. But um, I would say, I mean, it's still a, an important chunk of the business is gear. Cool. Travel gear, bags, everyday carry, wallets, knives, yeah. tech accessories, and then home. Like we feel like we have a pretty unique place in the home space, and that is an underserved resource for guys. Yeah. Particularly, you think about our core customer, who's twenty-eight to thirty-five, lives in a city. Um, they're probably on their second job, third job. Maybe they've gotten a few promotions, and they finally graduated out of like frat house, and yes. now they need to remove the posters from their wall, and they actually need to invest in their home. And so, um, Tuft and Needle is a great one. That early on, like, can we sell mattresses? This doesn't <laughs> quite fit into sort of the vibe. But then, when we were thinking about like our promise of equipping our guys, being a resource for them, not just in product but in information, it crushed and continues yes. to be a great seller for Deck us. Check out so. their bachelor pad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely. So the emergency, emerging brands, is yeah. finding these guys, is this like a 24-hour job? Where are you discovering these brands? It's a great question. I would say it is a 24-hour job because we have an incredible buying team and you know, they've got a lot of responsibilities. And especially as we've evolved and grown, there's that additional really important aspect of, you know, the merchandise strategy and you're open to buys and sort of budgets and whatnot. Um, but you go back to early on where we were just looking for anything. Like there's still that mentality. Like we want to be out in front. We want to discover brands. Our our customers still come to us for what's new. And so we're always in that mindset. Our, our buying team leads that charge. And so they're cool. constantly out there looking. And and there is, I get asked that a lot and, and it's never a great answer. It's always a different answer depending <laughs> on the day and what we've been seeing. Because um, there isn't any one channel or strategy to find these brands. Um, I think places where we've had a lot of success, um, Instagram's a great one. Yes. You go to brands that you love, see who they're following. You go to stores that you love, like those local men's boutiques that we go to, um, those menswear shops in every city. Um, who are they following? Like what's going on in sort of their world? Um, and then we do get a lot of inbounds now. Um, cool. Early on, it was Makes us sense. just knocking down doors. and. Yeah. Um, being very persistent. So uh, Instagram, word of mouth, we have a lot of referrals from our brand partners, um, which is great. So it comes from a lot of different places, but we are all constantly, like I'm always 
sending ideas. I see something, I take a picture when I'm walking. When I, in New York's <laughs> a great place for that. Like oh, yeah. I walk everywhere and pop into all of these stores and I'm constantly jumping on Slack, <laughs> probably annoying everyone, but like, hey, check out this. Hey, look at this. And we have that mentality across the company. Like Andy and Rich, still the same thing. Like they yes. love to just see what's out there. I think that's, be the first we find to joy in that. a brand and yeah. be like, hey. Yeah. And it happens to be very strategic and important part of our business, but I think we're good at it because we we love sharing that story. Yes. We love being able to say to a friend, and that's sort of our mentality. That's our content. That's our voice. And we have a unique voice. I think that is something that has made us who we are. Yes. Um, how do you describe it? Is it more like... It's a great question. Um, I think how I like to describe it, how we like to describe it, um, we are like your friend at a bar, or we're like your older brother. Nice. And so you think about you buy something, you're wearing something, you're grabbing a beer after work and you're interested in the shoes that your buddy's wearing. Yeah. And you ask him like, hey, those are cool. Like, where'd you get those? He's not going to regurgitate some fancy tagline that he saw in an ad. He's going to keep it real. And yeah. So that's sort of our mentality. Keep it real. Don't bury the lead. Um, but for us, we see ourselves as like that friend, the friend that we are not like your most fashionable, stylish friend, but we're, we're kind of in the know yep. and we tell it to you like it is. And so our voice, we want it to be educational and, and inspiring, but most importantly, it needs to be like attainable and real. Okay. That makes sense. I like to know that guys are talking like girls. Great shoes. Where'd you get them? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Good to know. Good to know. Let's dig into this email strategy. Yeah. God, how many emails are going out a week? First of all. So we send three emails a week. Okay. Still to this day, that has remained consistent. There's yes. always temptations to add more because you have a successful email. It's like, well, what if we just added one tomorrow? Yes. Um, but we do Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. Set schedule. Set schedule. In the they all go out in the morning. Great. Um, and and going back to the the origin of that, you know, we wanted to. I say we, like Andy and Rich, really sort of foundationally at the beginning, wanted to create an email and communication in in sort of a vein that they wanted to be talked to. Okay. Um, and so not only the content within and the voice and sort of a, a good curation of things to keep your interest, um, but also the consistency. Like we are, you know, what's the saying? Like natures of habit. I just completely butchered that, but creatures, creatures. of habit. There it is. <laughs> um, and so we think about, again, like our customer, like most of them are working nine to five in the city. We all spend a lot of time on our commute, like on our phones, on our computers. That's the time where we're finding inspiration or looking something up or trying not to think about work. So we want to make sure that our email hits you in that moment. Yeah. Um, and also it creates that trust. When you come to Huckberry, when you sign up for our email, you will get an email from us immediately that says every Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday, by 9 a.m., you get our email. Nice. We're not going to spam you. We set the expectation at the beginning. Um, and so one, creating that habit, yep. creating that trust. And then what goes into our email it's a commerce email, but it reads so much more like a, a newsletter. Yes. Um, so we obviously have a lot of product and story in there, but start with the product. The curation within the email represents oh. a lot of different interests. You won't see an email that's all pants or yes. all shoes or all heritage brands. Um, we want there to be a diversity in um, the activity, the brand, the story. And cool. so depending on who you are, what mood you're in, the style, what you're looking for, there's something for everyone from a product standpoint. Yep. Um, and then we also, 30% of our email, like the bottom quarter of it, um, is all content, and we actually link off of our site. So awesome. earlier on, we've got 
advisors and friends in the industry like, what are you guys doing? You're sending traffic away from your own email. Um, <laughs> Big mistake. But we've got this section <laughs> called diversions where it's articles that we find interesting that we want to share with our friends. Awesome. And so every email has that mix of interesting product, interesting brand story, um, and then mixed with music recommendations, articles that we think you should read, our own content that we've created on our journal. So um, cool. there's always, it, it really comes down to, there's always a reason to open our email. About how many sections are in every email? Like it just goes and goes and goes. It, it's, it's always a balance. Yeah. And, and there, there are days where we create these emails that are really long and then we test it and it's like it gets clipped. And so we have yeah. to condense it. Um, I, I would say on average, we've got, four to six sort of brand or product stories. Okay. And then it's a rule. Like our content never gets cut from the email. So there's always three diversions. Okay. There's always a journal article. There's always a see you out there Instagram photo. Um, and almost every email, there's a music recommendation as well. So Great. we have people that open our email just for those recommendations, just for the content. And that's okay. We feel like we are building trust with that customer. And so you may be opening our emails for the first six months, just looking for great recommendations on a good read on your morning yeah. commute. But then there's that day where you're climbing out of the cat. And this this happened to me. Like your pants rip. And it's like, oh, I got to get a new pair of pants. Yeah. You know what? I've been reading the Huckberry email. I really liked what they've been sharing with me. They, they know what they're talking about in certain senses. So I'm going to give yeah. them a shot. And I'm going to totally. buy a product. And then they're in in that sort of way. So Makes sense. Yeah. How many people are on your email list? Uh, it's well over a million. We Great. clean it regularly. Um, so, you know, there are times where that number spikes, but we're constantly cleaning it because, you know, it, it's misleading to have a giant email list if 25% of them are not the right customer. They're not opening the email. So Great. Um, we are cleaning it every couple months. And what are you finding about um, what time are they opening it on their commute and what's the open rate? Our open average open rate for it's pretty good for a, a list that big. It it it's between twenty and thirty percent on average. Um, Great. Yeah. So, and, and people are opening it when we're sending it. Like we've created that. People. It, it's. I don't want to be as grandiose and say it's an event, but yeah. our, we get a lot of comments like, "I can't wait every morning for my Huckberry email," or every Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday for my Huckberry. Yeah. Not every morning. That's. Cool. Um. So yeah, and, and the sales show that as well. Like our sales jump from 8 a.m. to noon. Yes. And then it slows down in the afternoon, but then at night, it jumps again. People are on their commute home. They're on their couch at home watching TV. They totally. pull up their laptop. They're reading the email again. So, oh my gosh, but someone in our, the morning, it's it's prime time for us. Yeah, I would think someone at our event yesterday said um, emails driving 30 to 40% of their revenue. Is yours, com I would think yours is even more or comparable? Uh. Yeah, it's it's not more than that. It's a substantial. It's our definitely our most profitable channel. It's, okay. it's a big driver of of our revenue. And is a team? Is it your editorial team working that? Is it a dedicated team working email? No, I, there is a dedicated team for every email. Yeah. Um, but it's a shared responsibility between we've got our editorial team, our copywriters, and then we've got our designers. And there's a, a group of four writers and four designers, and they swap off um, who's covering each email. Um, cool. So it is a, a tight team, but um, these emails take a lot of work, as you can imagine. So 
um, we, we switch it off to make sure people don't get too burnt out. Yes. Is the journal like your online kind of a blog type of a yeah. feed? Yep. Okay. Yep. So the journal has been, again, part of Huckberry since the very beginning. Nice. Um, so that is our own sort of custom content. We also will partner with other writers and they will sort of take over on the journal as well. So it's everything from like general interest. We know what our customers really look to us for, recommendations, recipes, trip itineraries, um, interesting interviews. And then on the flip side, like we can go further in depth on product information, like the history of a desert boot, like how Steve McQueen wore a Harrington jacket. And so we can sort of bring to life in a a more in-depth profile some of the product stories that we're talking about in e-com. Got it. So is it is there a lot of overlap with the content that you're featuring across channels? Like I, we hear a lot about kind of creating something large and maybe slicing and dicing it for the other channels. I would think that would make sense. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. For focus and I think it makes a more compelling story. So yeah. you start with what is the story? What are the important elements of the story? And then you dissect it based on the channel and how to optimize that channel and, cool. and how customers are interacting with that channel. So for us, yeah, we always start with what is the main story and then how's this going to portray itself on the journal? How's this going to show up in the catalog? How's it going to show up in the email? And there's obviously a, a constant DNA throughout, but mm-hmm. each one is obviously formatted to fit that medium. Okay, that makes sense. Talk about u- user-generated content. I mean, some of this you are... I mean, orchestrating with your various, I don't know if you call them mm, influencers or um, they're more, I guess, like partners of the brand, athletes, adventurers. Talk to me about- We call them ambassadors. Ambassadors. That's honestly the word I was thinking of. (laughs) There you go. But anyway, who are they? Uh, Our ambassadors, it's a a pretty cool network of photographers, chefs, musicians, um, and we're continuing to- add to that and sort of expand um, based on, again, what our customers want to see more of, the people that they want to learn from, people they can connect to. Um, so it's a group of creatives that are our friends. They also represent the brand in various ways. They're also the guys and the women that are doing the activities that our products are made for. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, we use our ambassadors, use is the wrong word, like we partner with our ambassadors um, for a lot of the content that we create. So you look at our catalogs, each one of our catalogs is a story in and of itself. And we go to a real place, we go on an adventure, we connect with locals, we give you an itinerary, and we're putting products to the test that make sense in that setting, in that season. And we're always bringing ambassadors that make sense. So um, one of our good friends, Mikey DeTemple, he's a Brooklyn-based surfer and videographer, filmmaker. Um, we did a catalog in Hawaii. And as a kid, he was a professional longboarder. Cool. Um, so we brought him on a catalog shoot. Um, every single catalog that we've done has involved an ambassador in some capacity. And then we're working with them throughout the year on smaller projects as well. So okay. we're always leveraging each other. Um, and and it, that's that's what we love. Like these are not financially driven partnerships. These are, they believe in what we're doing. We want to support what they're doing. We want to use our platform to tell their stories. And then they are as authentic as it gets as far as their representation of our brand and the products that we sell. Yeah. Is every catalog, it's maybe one ambassador and also kind of one destination. It's kind of a big a theme to it. Yeah. yeah. There's a general theme where, 
We go with a friend, typically an ambassador. Um, we choose a place that best represents the season, an adventure, a place that we think also Huckberry readers would want to go. Someplace that's cool and inspirational, but it's also attainable. You actually can go do this yourself. Yeah. And then we partner up with, I think, one of our greatest resources and ambassadors is one extension of that, is our community. And so in all these places that we go, we typically have a brand partner or a friend of a friend that lives there. And for us, our catalogs are not about, like, follow what Huckberry's doing. Yeah. It's like, we go and introduce you to locals. Again, going back to that POV friend sort of relationship. When you go on a trip, you ask a friend in that place that lives there, like, what are your local recommendations? Like, I don't want to, for me, look it up on TripAdvisor and and sort of follow along sort of what's the most reviewed. Like, (laughs) I want someone who knows me, knows my interests, personalization, um, and sort of curate an itinerary based of that. So go with an ambassador, find a cool place, and then partner with locals and tell their stories. Again, use our platform to share those things. Yes. What do you know about the success of these catalogs, how they're, how those are working to drive sales? Yeah, the, it's it's still a profitable channel for us. Obviously, catalog is expensive, particularly how we do them. They, they read like a magazine. Yeah. The print quality is like a magazine. Um, obviously, the production, flying a team to all of these various places. Um, but... You know, we found that we send our catalogs to both prospecting customers, but then we also send them to existing customers. Cool. And so from a sales side of things, they both are profitable. Um, and we found that, um, you know, the AOV for customers that get a catalog and purchase via the catalog is substantially higher, yeah. um, particularly that first purchase and then their lifetime value thereafter. Um, and, and part of that is because it, our catalogs, are different and they do set the stage in a way that's different than other catalogs that you may get in your mailbox. And so you immediately get great product, obviously. That's where the sales come from, but it's packaged in this way that is inspirational, but it's also like, these guys get me. Totally. So it creates a relationship from the beginning. And then our existing customers love it because it is an adventure that they're following along for. Yeah. Um, And it is like a unifying, it's Obviously profitable from a product standpoint, but then as a business, it's just a unifying campaign that we are able to then leverage those assets across all these other channels. So um, it ends up being this really 360 component to each season. Yeah, it kind of mirrors what you were telling me. Tell me about this trip that you did and what you've been doing with this, like the concept of the 72-hour tea. Did I, did I get it right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this is like a series. <laughs> it's now a series. Um, it's one of those like, let's just try it. And if it doesn't work, like so be it. Short attention span. <laughs> um, we, our product team developed this great Merino tea. They partnered with this incredible team in New Zealand it really is the best. And I've tested and worn a lot of Merino t-shirts and obviously I'm biased, but it really is like, I can say it's, it's the best I've worn. And we were sitting in this room talking about that and like, this is so good, but like, how do we, we're an adventure company. We've talked and sold about Merino teas many times before the market. Everyone seems to talk about it in the same way. It's always about Merino, like feature, feature, feature heavy. And that's great. But how do we position this in a way that hits on those things, but it is a little more real? And, mm-hmm. and we're talking less about the features and more like what the features allow you to do. Yeah. And so that's where this idea of, you know, you can, Merino, it's antimicrobial. You don't have to wash it. It doesn't stink. You can wear it for multiple days on end. And we actually have done that. So we're like, let's call it the 72-hour tea. Um, but if we're going to put that stamp 
on this product, we better sure as hell make sure that we stand behind it. <laughs> if, if we're going to tell you that you can wear it for three days, that we've actually done that before. Um, so I put on the tee. We were in San Francisco and jumped on a plane and flew to Iceland for three days and wore the tee. I slept in it. I did not take it off for three days. And you can ask the guys that were on this trip. Um, and we documented the whole thing. And it was me on an iPhone. So it was it was pretty rough cut. Like it was behind the scenes. It was not highly produced. Um, and then when we launched this tea in our email for the first time, it's introducing the 72-hour tea. And then we have this sort of blinking red light, like live TV. And it's like, don't believe us? Like we put it to the test. And obviously it, it's pretty unattainable to just hop on a plane and fly to Iceland from San Francisco, <laughs> um, just sort of on a whim. But yeah. that's that's the fun. Like that's what catches you. But then we actually created an itinerary based on what we did and, you know, recommended places to go, people to look for. If you go to this bar and say Huckberry, you get a free drink. So we always want to incorporate like the actionable component into that. And so it was really this interesting campaign where you took – a t-shirt, a merino t-shirt, a great merino t-shirt, but we brought it to life in inspirational way, but also in a way that customers can, we all can relate to packing for a trip yes. and particularly an adventure. And it's like, oh, I just don't want to think, I don't have much space. I don't want to pack an extra bag. And so like hitting on those real moods and moments and bringing that to life. And, and since then that's turned into I've been to Tofino with an ambassador up in um, British Columbia, and then I just got back from Switzerland. So we're going to, like, really cool places, yeah. and that's part of the inspiration. But there's always, like, an actionable component to it after. Is there a component to it where you ask a man on the street, how do I smell right now? <laughs> yes. That, and that's Look, one of the – it, it sticks, like the sniff test. So, <laughs> I'm the, glad that's part of it. Walking down the street in Reykjavik in this first trip – um, this woman was walking down the street and I, I, I promise I'm not creepy, but you don't have to get too close, but can you smell my shirt? And this was three days in. She's like, yeah, I don't smell anything. And so that has now become, we ask on every trip, we stop strangers. And so it's one of those fun moments, like yeah. keeping it real, um, not taking ourselves too seriously. So the sniff test has now become, it is a thing. it's a thing. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I would think video would play perfectly into the, this idea of the trip and, mm -hmm. You're, out, you're there anyway, just like we said with this podcast. We should have video. We're here. But um, talk about your aspirations with video, maybe what you've tested so far. Yeah, so I think that's been a, a great success, that type of video where um, it's almost vlog style, where there is a narrative, but it's real. You really feel like you're along for the trip. Yep. Um, and so that's worked really well. So I think we want to continue to expand on that type of video. Yeah. Um, we go to a lot of really interesting places. We get to do really interesting things. Like, let's bring people along for that, both in video, but also let's start bringing customers. Like, I want to bring a customer on our next 72-hour trip. And I think people really like mm -hmm. to see that. I think it tra translates really well into video. Um, on the sort of more polished side of things, we've got a series called Behind the Brand. Okay. Um, where we'll partner, and that's sort of traditional branded content. Um, or it's mini documentary. Um, so we did a few of them last year. We actually won a Webby for one of them. Um, extra tough boots, like the Alaskan sneaker, as they're known. Okay. Um, these incredible rain boots. I, I, they're rain boots to us. They are sort of 
incredibly uh, versatile boots that Alaskan fishermen actually wear when they're out going in the Bering Sea. And so we did a profile on the youngest sea captain in the Bering Sea. And he and his family, like multiple generations of fishermen, have been wearing these extra tough boots. So we did a profile on his story. And so um, those sort of more narrative-driven mini documentaries, we've done those. And, And those are obviously expensive and they take a lot of time to produce and create. So that's not something that we're ever going to do at like a high velocity, but they're really important like brand pillars. Again, it represents that inspirational part of the brand. Um, So finding that balance of those videos, but then I think the one thing that we're now really ramping up and testing internally and we'll start to roll out is like product videos. Um, Getting more in depth on the construction of products and and, um, bringing to life really like lifestyle photography, but showing it in video form. Huckberry, so. it's a lifestyle, folks. No, exactly. <laughs> it's interesting. I feel like your guy is really into it. Like he wants to know more. He's curious. Like going forward, how do you acquire more of these guys? How are you building on your email list? How? how where do you go from here? Customer acquisi- acquisition, such a thing. Yeah, it's a, a really struggle. good question. Yeah, I mean, we we have an incredible uh, performance marketing team, so that is continues to be a really important channel for acquiring customers. Um, partnerships, like strategic partnerships, both in media. Um, we just launched a, um, a collection with Men's Health. We had their style editor curate and help design um, a number of products for this travel-related series. Okay. Um, so those interesting partnerships, um, we've got a, a couple interesting product collaborations with people coming out in the next couple of years. So um, I think it's, it's strategic partnerships, collaborations, um, you know, Definitely spending a lot more time thinking about our content strategy, particularly around our journal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that continues to be a really good organic growth channel, but there's some things that we can do to ramp that up and acquire customers. Um, catalog is going to continue to remain a really important piece of the business, like what goes into the catalog and yeah. how we theme them. We've got some fun ideas. Um, and, you know, word of mouth continues to be just so, so important to your point we've got a really passionate group of customers. And so store has actually been a great way to engage that where we bring customers into the store, we meet them, we have them bring their friends. Um, that's been a really impactful way. And we're going to roll out a few more stores. We've got our flagship here in New York. How long gonna, has that been? A year? Uh, a year, almost to the day. Okay. Yeah. So it started as a pop-up. We're in Bleecker and Perry in the West Village. Check and it out. yeah, it's been it's been a really awesome experience for us, for the brand and for our customers. And so we see a ton of potential, particularly on the growth and sort of brand awareness side. Our brand translates really well into real life. And so great product that's interesting and you get to go see it, touch it, which is always a really important part of retail. Um, but then events and content and bringing things to life in the store. So I talked about Extra Tough, right? They're going to do an event in our store in a couple of weeks where they're going to overnight a tuna that someone caught in Alaska, and we're going to have a chef sashimi it in the store. We're going to launch one of their new boots. And so those are interesting and cool, and our customers want to be a part of that, and they're going to bring their friends. And so like really continuing to scale that program i think will be important you guys do it up <laughs> try keep it interesting not gonna be half-assing see i got a yeah. curse word in there we were I like worried it. yeah we were worried i don't think i got one in <laughs> you did good yeah <laughs> all, right. all right thanks so much ben thank this you joe this is awesome That's all for this episode. As a thank you for listening, we're offering Glossy Plus listeners 20% off an annual Glossy Plus membership, giving you unlimited access to fashion and beauty stories on Glossy.co. Use the code PODCAST at checkout. The Glossy Podcast is produced by Pierre Bienname. Please head to the review section on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast 
to give us a rating and tell us what you think. Thanks for listening. <laughs>